Hello and welcome to the First and Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another great interview. Like we told you guys, you guys wanted us to continue to cover international football, and that's what we've done for you guys today. I'm joined today by current X-League offensive lineman, Ian Park. Ian, how are we doing today, man? Guys, what's going on? Appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. For sure, man. We're happy to have you on. You know, I believe... I'm going to butcher the name of the team you play for. So I'm going to let you pronounce it because I'm, I, I, I'm not good with pronunciations. <laughs> so who is the current pro team you're on it there in the X league? Uh, I play for the Tainai Deers. Yes. You've been, been there what, four years now? Yes. The, I just finished up uh, season number four and yeah, since 2019, I've been, I've been uh, with the Deers. So, so I want to go back on your football journey, though. You grew up in Pennsylvania. Coming yes. out, you were a three-star recruit in high school. And, you know, for us who had no stars and no recruiting, um, that means you were getting at least more than one offer. So <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your recruiting journey. What You know, you ended up committing to Northwestern, there, Pat Fitzgerald, Big Ten school. What was the recruiting process like coming out for you? When did you zero in on Northwestern to be the school you were going to go play your ball at? Um. Well, I think, uh, you know, academics is kind of big in my family. And, uh, you know, my dad immigrated to the States from Korea. Um, so the kind of like I had those, those pressures uh, from, you know, my Korean side and um, just, you know, it was either A or nothing or, or you're, you're not leaving the house um, <laughs> a lot of, in a lot of cases. So, um, but from an early age, I, I found football and, so from six years old, I started playing um, just kind of, it was a kind of like something you did uh, in Western Pennsylvania. You know, it's just the culture. Um, and uh, it helped that I was pretty big um, and I like to hit people as well. But uh, but yeah, uh, I think I had my first I started as a sophomore in maybe half the season, uh, the second half of the season went against uh, Aaron Donald uh, in a playoff game. Um, and actually, he was committed to University of Pittsburgh at the time. And uh, that was kind of like my opportunity to sort of showcase what I could do. Um, and I actually caught the attention of his coaches at University of Pittsburgh. And um, they had had me out for to a game and then uh, camp in the summertime. That was the end of my sophomore year, maybe like June. Um, and they ended up offering me a scholarship a couple days after that camp. So that was kind of like my first offer um, out of high school. Um, and then from there, um, it's just sort of that's how sort of the, the ball got rolling. Um, you know, a lot of the big the Big East Conference at that time, um, I had a lot of offers from from those schools and um, sort of, you know, it was mostly Northeast, East Coast type type stuff, uh, with the exception of maybe like Vanderbilt that was in the south, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, Northwestern was actually my last offer. Um, and I had visited there with my brother, who was a uh, you know two years uh, older than me. Um, he had, and I kind of saw you know what it was like during his recruiting process, and uh, it was definitely it was always a school I really loved. Um, you know, going to visit there, I went there, I think I went there two times to two games, and it was before like my recruiting process had started, um, and 
I always kind of had that in the back of my mind that, you know, when it comes to be, you know, my turn, when it's my time, like I'm, I'm definitely going to seriously consider Northwestern. So when you commit to Northwestern, you redshirt your first year, you know, yes. and we, we've had other guys on who redshirted and they talked about how, like, you know, for them, that wasn't even a conversation. They just kind of got on the field and realized, no, I'm going to have to redshirt. Was there any conversation for you? Did they say, hey, we like you, but here's what we need you to do to be able to get on the field for next season? Or was it kind of a foregone conclusion? I'm probably going to redshirt this year. Yeah, I had no intentions of, of playing as a true freshman, to be honest. Um I think, you know, physically, I feel like I wasn't ready, as were my fellow offensive linemen uh, in my class. Um, and really, you know, honestly, Big Ten football and, and you know, the, the type of men you're, you know, you're going to go against, uh, I felt and the coaches felt and it was kind of a mutual decision that, you know, you're not ready. <laughs> uh, and, I, and it didn't help that I was also like in the three, I think third string, maybe in the three deep kind of as a freshman true freshman. So, I mean, it was a good opportunity to, uh, you know, run scout team. I think I had like scout team player of the week a couple times. And that was like the reward, the reward and my motivation um, to, you know, practice hard and, you know, do well in scout team was they would take us to the team hotel uh, for home games. And, you know, you get a nice steak and, uh, you know, comfy bed, get out of the dorm room um, and be able to travel with the travel squad. That was something that was kind of like my motivation as a freshman sort of, uh, earn the trust from the coaches um and also academically um i think i had my best academic year <laughs> during my uh my freshman year uh because i had more i didn't have to worry about the game plan uh, i kind of just went to practice and then went to school so uh, i thought that was it was probably my most fun year was was freshman year you know and people talk about like the academics at northwestern you know you hear northwestern you hear stanford and how their academic rigors are a little bit of a step above from maybe a state school like Ohio State. So what was it like balancing football with the rigors of academics as a collegiate athlete? Um, definitely difficult looking back on it now. Um, I don't know how I did it a lot of times. Um, we we would have practice. You know, I'd wake up at 5.30 every day, um, you know, get, get, get taped 5.45, get breakfast, and then you know, meetings for an hour, practice around eight. And then the 1030-ish, we'd be, it was like a, it was like a, it's a madhouse at that point around the facility. You know, you had guys like rushing, you know, to kind of get the training table, you know, get food, run out, you know, go, go to class. Um, and there were a lot of times, I think earlier in my college years, um, where I'd have class, class conflicts, um, you know, there'd be like a 1030 or 11 a.m. class where I would just have to freaking like just sprint out of there. I'd be late a couple times, but you know, um, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to balance, but if you time manage, if you, if you plan um, and spend your time well, then it's definitely manageable and you can do it. Um, but I mean, I feel like the classes that I took and, you know, I, I chose a major that was, you know, manageable. Uh, you know, I did communication studies, uh, something that was manageable for me. Uh, to balance with football but I had some other teammates who were pre-med or engineers and it didn't go so well for them but a lot of them were successful but there also were a lot of guys that wanted to take those those you know highly skilled uh, you know paths with the, with the academics and they actually ended up uh, changing majors pretty quick um, because of the demands of football. 
So, you know, you're a redshirt freshman year. You end up starting several games, getting some good playing time. Is there a moment in time in your redshirt freshman year where you're you're playing Big Ten football? Is there any moment where you're like, oh, wow, yeah, these are the big boys? Is there a moment that stands out? Um, Well, I really think because, um, you know, I started the first non couple non-conference games and then in that year and then we opened up Big Ten play with with the Buckeyes and uh, college game day came to campus. I don't know if they had ever it had it had been years, maybe 20 years. I don't know how long since since they had had been around. So there was a really cool atmosphere on campus. And I remember saying to myself, like, you know, and looking back, I shouldn't have done this. Uh, I should have kept my routine. Uh, but I was like, I'm not going to class this week. College game days here. We're playing the Buckeyes. Like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> that was my excuse uh, to to skip out on, on school. But I don't. I normally didn't skip out on class. Um, that was, you know, because they class check. They used to send, like, GAs and stuff to make sure we were in class. So, but, yeah, I think when I got on the field, uh, that first play, that first drive, you know, the stadium was sold out under the lights. Um and I lined up, and there's a uh, who they had Joey Bosa, they had uh, Michael Bennett, they had I think his name was Joel Hale, and they had uh, Adolphus Washington as well. That was their front, their front, their four. And I just remember it was a Joel Hale, I think that was his name. I recognize that name. Uh, he was like, let's. He's like, he like made out a big scream. <sighs> I was like, all right, like I'm playing Ohio State, uh, primetime television was ABC and you know it was it was a, it was a surreal moment uh, at that time it was it was pretty cool you know in that red shirt freshman year was kind of an interesting year for you guys i believe you started the year 4 and 0 um i believe yes. that was, you guys ran through your non-conference schedule went 4 and 0 and then yep. r- really ran into a wall in the Big 10 and and ended up finishing 5 and 7 but you ended the year on a positive note against Illinois winning the game what what did you take away as a player when you go through trials like that where hey we start out so high you know and then boom we just run into a wall what as a player how do you stay mentally focused and mentally prepared well um i know i know at northwestern uh we're in the quarter system we didn't we didn't have uh, I, I know i keep going back to academics but it really it really changes the game a little bit for us um and i know it's maybe stanford has a similar uh, schedule but uh, quarters, we don't start school. The students don't are not on campus until like the end of September, and I'm not giving it as an excuse. But basically, like for a month, for the first month of the season, we are just we're they call it like we're professional athletes. You know that's how it, we just go to practice, go to practice, and uh, and then you know study film, eat, hang out. You know that that's like we're in the facility all day for a month, and then the classes started up. And I think that was when. I don't know if that was the first, it was like, you know, trying to adjust to, uh, you know, this academic load and, and things like that kind of things are a little bit busier. Um, yeah, that, that kind of, uh, sometimes I, I feel like that was the reason why we had a lot of fast starts, which it wasn't always the case. And in, in some years we would completely, you know, flop in our, in our non-conference schedule and then turn it on the big 10. So, um, but yeah, we were ranked. We were in the ranked in the top fifteen, I think, going into that Ohio State game, and it was a close game. We 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 uh, we were right with them all the all the way. Um, I really felt like we could win that game, but um, some people say it kind of like sucked the life out of us because we had to go over to Wisconsin. Um, I think the next week, and we also uh, did not do so well in that game in Madison. 
So, um, and you know, that was the, there were a lot of talented teams on our, on, you know, that we played against that year. Um, you know, Michigan state, I think Michigan state was, was really strong that year as well. Um, but you know, it's hard, you know, sometimes, you know, things just don't go your way and you just try to be consistent, you know, with your uh, routine and stuff like that. But certainly uh, uh, challenging when you, I think we lost like, I don't know, four or five in a row. <laughs> so pretty brutal, but what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, and that's kind of the, you know, Northwestern's MO, in my opinion, has always been they're gritty. You know, this year they might've gone one and 11, but just a couple of years ago, you guys were in the big 10 championship. And I mean, it's, ups and downs and it's been that way for the tenure of pat fitzgerald and i want to ask you about pat fitzgerald because i you know to the rest of the big 10 some of us joke about how like that man is never going to lose that job but i don't think it's just because he's a northwestern alum i think a lot of it has to do with him as a coach and him as a person can you talk about what it was like to play for a guy like pat fitzgerald yeah um you know he, he he's obviously he's an alum he's a he's a i think he's a college football hall of famer he's a he's a he's he's a you know, he's a Northwestern guy. He's an Illinois guy. He's from the state as well. Um, and, but I mean, I think the reason why, you know, he's still around and, um, you know, and he will continue to, to stay or stick around is just because of the, you know, the way that he runs, you know, the, the, the facility and, you know, runs the team. I think um, he always harped on doing things the right way. And, uh, and that meant, you know, just, you know, working hard, doing what you have to do, getting, you know, just basically doing your job and, you know, making sure that, you know, you're a good person and, you know, in the community and, you know, in the school and, you know, and then working hard on the field. Um, but honestly, like he's a, he's a player's coach. I, you know, it was around that time when I first got to school, um, you know, two a days before they were outlawed. Um, he actually was, was more somebody that was, you know, he was trying to make sure that, you know, we were taken care of and, you know, he didn't want to just like kill us, you know what I mean? So um, we actually, experimented with with one of days uh in, in camp um you know making sure we're taking care of our bodies and things like that and you know he's always trying to find ways um to you know optimize our time and you know make sure we're not you know overworking so to speak and you know being efficient so i think uh yeah he, he, i really enjoyed playing for him um and i always felt like i wanted i wanted to play well and do my best for him he's one of those coaches that you want to, you want to fight for. And you guys had a lot of talent when you were there, you know, your first year starting the quarterback was Trevor Simeon, who has had a long and nice NFL career. You, uh, your last year there at Northwestern as a starter, Justin Jackson ran for over a thousand yards and folks don't remember him. He spent time with the chargers and had a nice NFL career. So I want to ask you, you know, playing with guys like that, is there a guy on the team that you were like, you know, you know, if we asked your other teammates, they would say, hey, that was Ian's guy. You know, did you were you able to just, you know, have that kind of best friend on the team? I know football is kind of a brotherhood. So was there any guys that, you know, people maybe don't remember as being as talented as Trevor Simeon or Justin Jackson? But you're like, that was my guy and he could ball. Um, Well, I feel like everybody was pretty talented, Um, you know, Justin, Trevor. And, you know, we had a lot of awesome D linemen. Um, who are a lot of who are still in the NFL, you know, Dean Lowry on the Packers. Um, he was a really good friend of mine. Um, but Fadio Denebo, uh, he's on the Colts now. He was my roommate for many years. Um, one of my best friends as well. Um, and then one guy that I think, you know, Tyler Lancaster, 
Um, he, he was with the Packers for a while. I think he he got hurt this year, but he was he was with uh, the Raiders. Um, we had a really awesome D line <laughs> when I when I was there. Um, really a pain in the butt to go against. And even like Joe Gaziano, um, who's with the Chargers now, he was a young guy, but he would give me a lot of trouble when I was you know going against him. So I knew he was going to be special. Um, but one guy that I think that you know that I would go against, and I'd be like, man, that like it's like running to a brick wall. It was Deontay Gibson, and uh, I think he. He spent some time with the Lions and the Bucks, but he's he's now coaching at Youngstown State. I believe he's their D line coach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I got along with mostly the D linemen. The D linemen were my friends, which is kind of kind of interesting. <laughs> um, and then obviously, you know, I had my my best bud, uh, Kenton Placo, on the O line, and you know, we were freshman year roommates. But it's it's weird how I sort of. And still to this day, I still I keep in touch with all my D lineman friends, you know, on the team for the most part. Um, but yeah, I don't know why that is. I guess I'm a D lineman at heart. I don't know. <laughs> it's always an interesting thing. You'd think it would be the other way around, but I mean, you know, I guess maybe they got so used to going up against you in practice, they learned to respect you a little bit. I mean, I I do have to ask because your Northwestern career kind of was a bittersweet note at the end. The injury that unfortunately kept you out your senior year, but you still had a year left to play. So what went into the injury you suffered in 2016 and then that one year left in the transition to Slippery Rock there in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I guess 2015 also ended on a sour note for me. Um, I didn't get to end up playing the last three games because I injured my hamstring and missed the bowl game against Tennessee in the Outback Bowl. And for whatever reason, just the bad luck continued. Um, 2016, I was really, you know, I was, I was playing center in 2015. And uh, I had some really good games that I thought like, you know, and my coaches had agreed that, uh, you know, it was going to push me into, you know, getting an NFL shot um, going into 16, but, you know, injuries happened. And uh, we had another guy, Brad North, um, who was able to take over at center. So they moved me back to guard, which, you know, I'm all about, you know, I don't have to worry about snapping the football. That's great. I can just be big and, you know, eat, eat a bunch and, you know, get in the weight room, and be a, be a, be a right guard for, for the team. So that was kind of like my mindset going into that year. Um, and in spring ball, I don't know what, I mean, I must've, you know, I'm not sure, but I ended up having like stress fractures in both of my feet um, and it was, I was like, I'd never experienced that before. I don't know if I was getting too big or whatever, but, uh, that kind of subsided and I was able to get into practice, um, in spring ball. And then one day, maybe halfway through or after the first, like maybe nine or 10 practices, like there was a play, I got rolled up and I ended up, uh, like, uh, injuring my Liz Frank on my left foot. And that's, uh, for those who don't know about that, um, it's a, it's a midfoot uh, injury um like right on the top of your foot and those ligaments tore which felt like you know a sprained ankle or whatever it wasn't ridiculously painful but when that happens um you know the, your the integrity of your bones that sort of like holds your bones your metatarsals i think medi yeah um together and so when they that happens you know that's it's the recipe for disaster you can they can spread apart they can fracture they can and uh luckily Mine wasn't, it could 
could have been worse, um, but I did have some displacement in the bones in between my big toe and my, uh, I guess, index toe. There was a, some space in between them. So they had to go in there, put a screw in, and I was non-weight-bearing for as long, for I don't know how long. It happened in March. Um, and I think in June, I was able to finally walk, something like that. So, um, yeah, definitely tough, definitely tough. Um, and that injury... It's, it's not like a three-month injury or whatever, which is you know, four months, which some guys have come back from. Uh, for me, it, it really took an entire year. Um, from March to March is when I really started feeling better. Um, but, you know, the, every day, it was every day I was like, how do I feel today? Can I practice? You know, I'd suit up, go out there and run, but I couldn't, you know, O-line play. You have to go out there and, you know, you can't have any doubt in your mind. Like, you've got to be able to put force to the ground and uh, – you know, get dirty, you know, get down and dirty. Um, but unfortunately I just felt like I couldn't do that. Like it was weak. It was unstable. It was, it just hurt like crap. I couldn't even put on a shoe. So maybe in September they ended up taking the hardware out of there. Um, cause I could barely even put on a shoe without like screaming in pain. Um, non-conference play passed. Um, the, 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 the timetable was big 10 play. I'm gonna come back didn't happen then maybe midway through the season we uh we had a game against the Buckeyes um that's funny that's how my Big Ten journey started I guess with the start against them and then how it ended as well um I kind of had a meeting with my coaches and I said coach like I'm just going to shut it down this year I'm sorry and they were pretty disappointed and um and I was extremely disappointed I I felt like I let down everybody um, that has supported me coaches family members probably one of the lowest points of my life I think um but you know the so going back to you know how it came to be slippery rock you know there was uh there was no transfer portal or um in like they give medical red shirts the medical red shirt rules are different now back then you had to miss two full seasons due to injury to be to get a year um now it's just one which is actually, it's great because, you know, kids are getting more opportunities. That's fantastic. So, but, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out for me, but, uh, you know, the, the division one rule is the running clock of five years. Um, you have four years to play five seasons. My clock was done uh, because I had been there for five years. So, um, so I was like, well, what are my options? You know, and I, I my mom and I, I, my mom helped me. My mom was the, uh, the ringleader of this. She was able to really support me. So I love her for that. But uh, yeah, she said, um, we, we called the NCAA and they're like, yeah, the division two rules and division three rules are, are different. Uh, I don't know what they are now, but at this time in 2016, 2017, the rules were, you know, there is no time limit. There's only semesters or quarters, academic quarters um, of eligibility. So I had graduated in eight semesters or uh, was it I forget the, the number of quarters it was but basically I had two years two semesters left and it could be eligible in division two and division three um so yeah I, I didn't want to do it at first um I had this like sort of I was against you know and and obviously there's there's some pretty good division two football um in the country but especially in Pennsylvania um where my resources were and I knew a lot of people growing up there um, but for some reason, I was sort of against it at first. So I actually tried to go to the West Coast. I was like, well, if I'm going to play one more year, I'm going to go have a good time and travel. 
Uh, so I like reached out to like uh, Azusa Pacific in California and like Western Oregon. And I actually got a hold of one of those, one of them, I forget, but you know, my intentions, you know, I had graduated. I wasn't really interested in grad school and uh, they weren't really happy about that. Cause I was like, yeah, can I just play on your team? And, you know, <laughs> not, not gain a degree. Um, but, you know, it ended up being, you know, the Pennsylvania schools in the PSAC that uh, sort of embraced me and I uh, came home and I uh, actually had one of my GAs at Northwestern uh, introduce me to the coaches at Slippery Rock. And, uh, and then I also visited Cal, California, Cal U, PA, Cal PA, and then Indiana University of Pennsylvania um, through my high school head coach, Jim Render. Um, so I took those three visits Um and I brought my mom along with me because, you know, if she doesn't like him, then I don't like him. So, um, yeah, Slippery Rock, like, just there was something different about Slippery Rock. And, uh, like, Coach Lutz, uh, their head coach there, just an awesome guy and so passionate, so energetic. Um, Love the guy. And then Coach Conrad, Chris Conrad, he actually played for the Steelers. He was at Fresno State, drafted by the Steelers. Um and that's kind of like I, my my dream still was to make it to the NFL, even though it seemed like all hope, hope was lost with this injury and, and stuff like that. And he told me, like, I will I will get you right and I will, you know, help you achieve your dream. Um, and me personally, like, why? I mean, it was it was it was it was done. After that. It was a, it was a, you know, I had no no doubt in my mind I was going to Slippery Rock because of him um, and to be able to learn from a guy who, who went to the NFL and, and uh you know, I wanted to elevate my game, and I know I was at a lower level, but to learn from him was absolutely incredible. You know, and you won an all-conference award while you were there as a player. Uh, what, in your opinion, though, was the you know biggest min- misconception going from D1 to D2? Obviously, you're starting at the Big Ten, you know, playing at one of the most elite conferences in all of college football. But Slippery Rock is no slouch. Uh, they won their first-round playoff game this year against Assumption, so they've had a lot of success in their own right. What, what do you feel is a misconception though about D2 football? Um, well, I know a lot of kids, they think that, Oh, like, you know, they see on social media or whatever or on TV, like, obviously yeah, you want to be under you know, the bright lights and, you know, primetime television and, you know, division one schools, is the best competition in the world. Um, it's got, you know, this and that resources, but like, if that is not in the cards for you, um, Division two football is not, and even division three football is not a bad option. Um, my brother played division three, my younger brother. Um, and I've been able to see that atmosphere as well. And then I obviously had a year of experience in division two um, and everybody works just as hard. You know, they all have, they're all up at 6am, you know, grinding just like D one guys are. I mean, they don't have a, it's not like Clemson. They don't have like a slide board down to their like, whatever it is and massage chairs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it, it, if you love the game, like it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you go. Um, but the biggest misconception is that, I don't know, there's no talent there. And I, and I think they're wrong. There's plenty of guys every year that get drafted from division two. Um, and like, I think they need to take a closer look do do a little bit more research I think just people in general um but yeah definitely it was a it was an amazing experience at at, uh, Slippery Rock a lot of laughs a lot of uh like you know funny moments for me it was just like well you know 
I'm just going to embrace it, you know, because we didn't have a, a lot of resources, you know, compared to like Northwestern or whatever. There was no training table, you know, things like that. And, um, but I had everything I needed. Um, and it was kind of nice to get away from the big city and, you know, in Slippery Rock because it's a nice little town, had everything I had, you know, I'm not really a big city guy. So it was nice. There was no distractions and just focused on uh, my, my football and my training. So, you know, and your career didn't end after Slippery Rock, though. You latched on to some combines and some opportunities to showcase for the NFL. And I want to talk about your draft process for a second, because, you know, obviously when you go from Northwestern to Slippery Rock, for a lot of people, they may feel like, you know, okay, how am I going to get seen now? Well, like you talked about your line coach had the connections. So you end up getting signed by the Eagles as a undrafted free agent. What was that process like? And what was the moment like when you find out, Hey, I get to be a professional athlete in my home state. Yeah, it was, it was, a, uh, it was unbelievable to be honest. Um, I knew that I always, you know, there were, there were times of doubt, you know, am I, can I do this? You know, can I make it to, to this level? Um, especially when I, you know, all the, all the injuries, um, my career, um, a lot of doubters, things like that. Um, but I think, um, it was, it, I actually knew about that the Eagles, I knew that the Eagles were interested in me, um, maybe midway through my season at Slippery Rock. Um, because it, it also helped that we had, um, Marcus Martin, who he's the all-time leader in sacks in division two. Um, so he was, you know, NFL scouts were coming in the building and that was another reason, which was, was an, an attractive, attractive, uh, point to go to slippery rock is because of my guy, Marcus Martin, um, NFL scouts were coming into the facilities every week to meet with our coaches and watch our, our, our tape. Basically they, they come in, sit down in our meeting room and just watch our games, just a full, you know, and talk with our coaches. So. Um, I knew I had an opportunity um, to really showcase my talents and, you know, be able to just try to get my name out there. So um, I think it was maybe after my first couple of games, you know, you know, my, my O-line coach, Chris Conrad, he was like, yeah, you're doing okay. But like, we want to, you know, I want you know, the scouts are saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. And then I think it was our, I forget what game it was like early mid mid season. Um, we had a game against the number three team in the country, Cal U. Um, it was on TV. And uh, I don't know. I just I had the game of my life. And uh, I don't even know what. I blacked out at one, one point. Like, I got in a fight. I got, like, a personal foul, which I'd never had before in my life. Like, that was the first time. But, uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. The, 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 the stands were packed. Even though it was Division II football, it's, it's, there, were, there were so many people there. It was loud under the lights. Um, and after that game, um, I, you know, that Monday, I forget what it was, that, that during the week, the next week, my phone just started ringing, you know, agents um, were calling me like, hey, like, like I saw what, what you did and, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to sign with you. you know, I'd like you to sign, you know, I'd like to be, represent you, um, which was really awesome. It was just one game. You know, I think sometimes all it takes is, I mean, obviously you have to work hard your entire life, but sometimes you know, not everyone's watching you at every step, but you never know, like, w when people are going to be watching. And uh, 
I had known that the Eagles were interested. And, and uh, when my season ended, um, I had actually almost even some people at the NFL combine had reached out that I had known. And they said, Oh, like, you know, I think it was like eight teams gave you a draftable grade. And, and uh, so unfortunately you need half. So out of 32 half uh, to get an invite invitation to the combine. But uh, he said like, you, your name is in the right, the right places and, and uh, just keep working. And even I went back to Northwestern um, for the spring game because I still have a good relationship with everybody over there. Um, and they were, they had heard that news as well. And they were really like surprised. They were like, they couldn't believe it. <laughs> I don't want to say they couldn't believe it, but like, you know, I was, I was a different person, not a different, I was the same guy, but like, I really had to work hard for that. And, uh, but I didn't end up getting an invite to the combine, um, went to an all-star game. It was in Daytona beach, the, what was it, the FBS all Americans tropical bowl, which is a good experience. Um, they wanted to see me just, against the division one guys again go against them um and i think my pro day um the well the two teams that were really interested in me were the 49ers and the eagles so um kind of those were the the, when it came to draft day like i think maybe the day before draft day um maybe like 10 teams called me just to confirm my information i can't i can't tell you who those teams were i don't remember but um, but then on like the day of the draft, it was the 49ers, uh, or the Eagles who it came down to. And, uh, I think it was in the fourth round, my agent called me and said that, you know, if you don't get picked up, the Eagles are going to take you, uh, as an undrafted free agent. So, um, but he said like, and then, when, um, maybe the seventh round, he was like, yeah, would you rather go to San Francisco or Philadelphia? Um, like San Francisco, they got all the taxes, stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Philadelphia, they're just coming off the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it's close to home. And actually, my mom grew up in Philadelphia. She's from Philadelphia. So I still have family out there. And so it was a natural choice. Um, and, yeah, so I went with Philadelphia. So, so the minute the seventh round ended, I got a phone call and uh, signed with them. So pretty cool. How quick was that process? I mean, because a lot of people don't realize right after the draft, boom, we're bringing in UDFAs, and then boom, we're rolling right into rookie minicamp. So did you have time to process what had just occurred, or was it, was it just go, go, go? Yeah, um, really, that from the moment my season ended at Slippery Rocks, you know, starting training and going to all-star games and training again and then, like, pro days and, like – it really like, and I could say that to anybody who's interested in, um, you know, at post-college, you know, training for the NFL, it really is a whirlwind. There's no time to breathe. You just have to just put your head down and just tunnel vision. That's all. Um, but yeah, there was really no time to process it. And I'm still trying to process it now, honestly, that I have more free time and <laughs> um, than I used to, but uh, yeah, I just remember being exhausted. As soon as I got the call, I was just like, like, and they're like, all right, we'll see you in two weeks. I was like, dang. So, but uh, that time, I mean, I was in the best shape of my life. And uh, it was just really, it was a really interesting time. And there are some, you know, things that I wish I could have done better, this and that in hindsight. But, um, you know, what can you do? I think uh, I gave it my best shot. 
<laughs> you know, and they but, had, I mean, at the time, and even still today, they still have one of the best O-lines in the entire league. I mean, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Peters, Jason yep. Kelsey. I mean, you you definitely didn't pick an easy line to try and infiltrate there when you uh, chose where you were going. What was it like, though, getting to, you know, just have that opportunity to, you know, make an impression on an NFL team and just be on an NFL practice field at all? Yeah, um, it was incredible, I think, uh, to see those guys, you know, work every day um, and to be with them in the film room and to pick their brains and ask them questions. And um, it was unbelievable. And they were all just really nice guys. And I think, and I don't know about other positions, but I feel like O-linemen in general, they're all pretty kind. You know, they're not like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take shots at D-linemen, D-linemen or anybody they're worried about, or quarterbacks, they're worried about my stats and my snaps. And this, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like what what is always weighing on their mind. But O-line, you know, we don't get breaks, things like that. We're just always out there. So um, we work together, you know, with if, if one guy screws up, the whole thing just goes to crap, you know. So, um, but like Jason Kelsey, you know, I was playing center um, when I was with, in Philadelphia. He was awesome to talk to. And um, Lane Johnson was a really funny guy that I got to talk to. And Brandon Brooks and Isaac uh, Samalo and uh, Jason Peters was really kind as well. Um, he didn't have to be, you know, he's a 20 year, <laughs> you know, all pro guy. So, you know, but. He knew he he knew my name and even it wasn't just the O line there it was it was everybody like they you know they weren't too big for you know they just won a Super Bowl but they were so humble and uh, it just seemed like nothing had happened and they were just you know happy to be there and work hard like guys like come to mind like Hello Dinata like Hello Dinata be like hey Ian how how you doing like I'd come into the, you know the locker room and so it, it was pretty cool Chris Long was really really kind guy um but. Uh, but yeah, I, and even Jeff Stoutland, the O line coach there now, he's still there. Um, and even despite you know Doug Peterson was our head coach at the time, and after he was gone, you know, he uh, Jeff Stoutland, Coach Stoutland, remained the O line coach. Just that's the impact that he has had um, on the team, and um, to learn from him like changed everything for me. Um, and I take that with me everywhere. And I always like people ask me like I'm from Pittsburgh. I grew up with Steelers fan and people ask me, Oh, why don't you like the Steelers? I said, well, I watch the Eagles every week. Um, either I'm watching the Eagles or I'm watching the 49ers, Trent Williams. Um, just because every week it's, it's amazing. Like it's incredible. So I'm not a fan of a team anymore, but I love the Eagles O-line and I love Trent Williams. So, but yeah, coach Dallin, just the way that he taught me, you know, in my, the short three or four months of what it was like, it was really hard, really hard. We, we grinded, but um, like now I, I, I just feel like the game sort of, it opened, opened my eyes to how to play. And, you know, I found my style. I mean, I always had a style, I guess, of how I play, but, but to, to be there, you're sort of changed how I approach um, O-line play. And, you know, your time with the Eagles, you uh, became a bit of a viral sensation. Um, there's a moment where uh, you – I'm guessing you're in the showers after practice. Um, you're in the shower area. And uh, just kind of run us through. You uh, You got a set of lungs on you there, man. So uh, run us through uh, the Halo theme song moment. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But, uh, 
yeah, it sort of it started in, in my high school. Um, my brother and I, we would sing it in our high school showers and then kind of as a joke, no one, you know, no one was filming people and putting it online back then. And then uh, even at Northwestern, I would do it as a joke. And uh, one day my, my teammate recorded it and sent it to his friends. And, and then maybe a couple of years later, it was a 2016, his friend like put it on, on Twitter or something and it absolutely blew up. Um, that was right before I got into Slippery Rock and then some Slippery Rock people like my new teammates, they like, they're like, wait a minute, you're the Halo guy. Like they freaked out and then uh, I had to do it for them. Um, and then I guess, you know, it would sort of pop up online every once in a while from like 2016 to 2018. And then um, after minicamp, I was like, I was, I was like, well, you know, all right, minicamp's done. Like no one's telling, telling me to turn in my playbook. Like, I think I'm okay. And then like somebody taps me on the shoulder and I'm just like, oh no. And, but it's, it's, I thought it was like, it wasn't the person that cuts people. It was the, uh, it was these two guys with a camera and they're like, Hey, um, we just figured out that you're the halo guy. Can you, can we film you singing? And I said, well, I could do it in the locker room here, but, um, it sounds best in the showers with the acoustics and the echo. So, and they said, ah, oh, we can't do that though. I was like, why? He said, the, the only place in an NFL locker room where cameras are not allowed is the showers and you'll know like media as a media guy yourself media personnel um you know after practice they women doesn't matter they're all in the locker room and and we're just naked and like they just come and interview you so you've seen guys with their shirts off in a towel that's exactly what it was so i had a guy i think it was a guy who was cut <laughs> he had just been cut <laughs> um and he was like crying i'm like i walk up to him like hey man um would you mind like following me into the showers here and uh filming this real quick <laughs> and he was like uh okay so he, he took a video yeah I, I still remember his face like he had no idea what was about to happen and um and so i sang it and sent it to the media people and then it absolutely exploded um and that was like right and it was awkward it was really awkward because like as rookies we were by ourselves for the first three days and then we joined the rest of the team in phase two of OTAs. And so I still remember like walking through in the team meeting, like, and like the, all the vets were just like looking at me, like, like it was, it was kind of embarrassing um, because I just wanted to be a football player, but I didn't realize what I had just done um, because like, you know, you're in, you're in meetings all day or the facility. And then like you, you get out of there, you go home back to your, your hotel and you look at your phone and like my phone, like basically like, just died just from notification. Like it, the battery just drained down. Um, and I still like, even I, sometimes I go back if I have free time and like, I don't, I don't realize like w how far it reached and, and who it got to. Um, because there were just every media outlet that you can think of like world star hip hop and sports illustrated and ESPN, whatever, you know, like everything. Um, and so like, I still, I can't fathom like how many people saw that and and i guess it's it's my my life's legacy i guess you could say <laughs> even you know how many years ago was that four five years ago i was gonna say i, I was uh, up on five now yeah so it, it's finally stopped um circulating on the internet i haven't i haven't been tagged or or, or no one's put me or barstool or whatever you want to call it they hasn't they haven't um 
put me on their page in maybe like two years, which is nice. You know, some peace and quiet. Um, I get a lot of weird messages, by the way. Uh, but, um, and then I actually, I thought it was done, but then um, last week, uh, I'm, I'm flying back from Tokyo to, and I'm in custom, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in the customs line, you know, they're checking my passport, letting me back in the country. And I walk through, I, they clear me to get to the United States and I turn around and some guy goes, Hey, is your name Ian? Like I'm not, I've been in the United States for like 30 seconds. He said, Hey, your name Ian? I said, yeah. He's like, he's like, you're the Halo guy, aren't you? He's like, I was just telling my wife. He gave me, he gave me a, a pound fist bump. I was just like, he's like, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> It's like it's great to meet you. I was like, "What on earth?" <laughs> I just cleared. Is it's been five years, and this guy comes up to me. This is pretty funny, uh, but yeah, I guess if if as long as people know about you know that game and all that stuff, and I guess it'll it'll still it'll never go away, you know. So it's really interesting, you know. And you did eventually you know, get released by the Eagles. Your career obviously wasn't over. We talked about your playing in Japan now, but I want to ask you, you know, before we put a bow on your Eagles career, the moment that you find out that they're going to move on from you, you know, obviously it's kind of a, you know, bittersweet moment. You you got to live out a dream that a lot of us could only imagine putting on NFL, any NFL gear and not having to pay a hundred dollars to put it on, Um, you know, so it was an amazing moment for you, but I want to ask you, what was that moment like? You know, obviously the Eagles are a first-class organization. I'm a Patriots fan, so it hurts me to say that because um, <laughs> I'm still depressed about the Philly special. Um, and that it was <laughs> six years ago. So, <laughs> but, you know, Howie Roseman is one of the most, you know, elite GMs you'll ever see. Doug Peterson was, you know, he's the epitome of a great coach. So what was that moment like, though, when, you know, they tell you, hey, we're going to move on? Yeah, um, well, I knew it was coming because I got a concussion uh, early, maybe middle of camp, like right before a game against the Steelers. And like I had my whole family coming to that game and it was going to be like an amazing way to, because I was going to play in the fourth quarter um, just to be able to go against my hometown team in front of my family. And uh, so I wasn't able to do that, which was absolutely devastating. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I had, I think I was in, I was concussed for about two weeks and then they had reached, then I was like going to meetings. I was like, a, not, I wasn't doing great with my recovery. It wasn't like, it was a bad one. Um, so it was taking a little bit longer than I had been accustomed to because I've had some before, but uh, yeah, we were just on the way to, like I had, I had finally like, cause obviously, you know, our playbook was quite difficult. Uh, to grasp even as a center so I was finally like you know they're asking questions in meetings and I was like answering correctly and you know breaking down defenses and things like that and then on the way to our next walkthrough um the the Grim Reaper got me and uh you know told me to go upstairs and then talk talk with uh with our director of uh player personnel so yeah he just said you know we're letting you go. Sorry. I had to, you know, with the injury, you know, and, you know, he told me what I did well during camp and what I need to work on in the future. Uh, but I mean, it had been two weeks of, of me not, not playing. So um, I was definitely nervous and I, my heart was beating during the meeting and 
just like real fast and you know it was it was like a hard knocks moment you know like you see on hard knocks just you know just sitting there in the on the desk and uh you know at the desk and talking but uh yeah then since i was injured um i ended up going on injured reserve which was actually a blessing in disguise because because of being on ir um i actually got to meet a lot of interesting people um and that was through the NFL Players Association. Um, they had a conference in Washington, D.C. at their headquarters. And I was able to go down there in like September, October and November um, and just, you know, do career type stuff and learn, learn about, you know, business and, and you know, sort of broaden my horizons, you know, as far as like what I want to do post football. Um, and anyway, I even got a, an externship, not an internship, an externship. It's a postgraduate uh sort of working opportunity at the Under Armour headquarters in Baltimore because of that. So me and a couple other um, IR NFL players were able to, to, to experience that. I met a lot of cool guys there and uh, that I still talk to to this day. So, but uh, yeah, it was, it was tough, but um, I was hopeful that I was going to get another opportunity, even though I had no tape um, in the preseason, which um, was tough also. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just life lessons, man. You, you learn and you're going to fail sometimes. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I got as far as I could and, uh, I'm definitely proud of it. And, uh, definitely it, it, I achieved just about my dream. Um, you know, you did get another opportunity. I think that's what's so cool is, is, you know, on this show, we've highlighted the international game and how football has grown and it's grown exponentially in other countries. Were you aware of the X league? prior to 2019 when you began playing there i did i did know about it um and it was because of my brother my brother um he had a teammate in college my brother played quarterback at uh, dartmouth and uh, he had a teammate go over to panasonic and play in 2013 maybe 20 something like that um so i had heard about this japanese football league where you go and, and you play for a company team and like, you know, they get you a job at the company and you gain business experience. And I, I thought that was so cool. And then I had come up again in 2014. Um, I was at my buddy's house at Northwestern and he had a guy, another Ivy league guy graduate that was thinking about going over to play in Japan. And I said, Oh yeah, I remember my brother's teammate did that. And then nothing had sort of come about. Um, with that and then my roommate Afadi Adenibo who's now who's with the Vikings at the time um, he said Ian like if I don't because he was on practice squad his first year he said if I don't if I don't stick here I'm going to Japan and playing so I was like that's like whatever like like that's that's pretty funny but <laughs> but I was like yeah man me too maybe I'll maybe I'll join you and it's kind of a joke but uh, he ended up making the active roster that year and he's been a journeyman I think he's Vikings, Browns, Cardinals, Browns again, now or Giants, then now Colts. So I think he's he's in year six. So I think he, he'll be just fine. But uh but me, yeah, I I um that was just just hearing from word of mouth, sort of never never didn't know anybody who, who played there, just my brother's who was it? My brother's a, like a sophomore that was like a senior. He didn't really know him that well. So um but yeah, that's that's kind of how I, I had known about it. 
you know, and obviously it made an impression on you. Like we talked about in the beginning, you've been there for four years now. Um, what, what about Japanese football and Japanese culture um, has kept you coming back every year? Um, well, to be honest, I, I was really surprised when I, when I showed up there um, for my visit four years ago. Um, I was surprised at the, the level of play and it was just, it's so much better than people think. Um, and you have to, maybe if you watch it on TV, like, or on the live stream, maybe you can't really grasp the essence of it. Um, but when you go see it in person, and that's why I always tell, like, uh, my, even my, my family has never been able to come see me play. Um, they were scheduled to in 2019, but there was a typhoon and they had to end up changing their travel plans. But I'm hoping next year they're going to be able to get the opportunity to come and experience a Japanese football uh, game and sort of just there's a certain energy that that uh, that the reason why I keep coming back is is it's it's just different. And uh, they take it very seriously, but also at the same time, um, you know, they have fun. And uh, but 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 why I keep coming back, I think um, I don't know, I just. When I first signed on, I, I said to myself, like, you know, it's still my dream. My dream, I made it to the NFL, but, like, my dream is to be a professional football player. And so I don't want to be here for one year. I'm not interested in studying abroad, like, you know, going for a post-grad year. Like, I want to make – I want to make it last year. I want, I, want to, I want to play for a decade. That was kind of my mindset. Um, and I'm almost halfway. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, the first year was so fun. We had – I brought one of my teammates from Northwestern with me, Fred Wyatt. Um, we had five of us. We had a foreign coach, Frank Roser, who's now in in, uh, in in Germany, Austria, coaching out there in the Elf. Um, and so it was just it was so much fun to experience. Every day I was just like, "What is going on? Like this is this is a it's so different from the U.S." And and uh, uh, but that honeymoon phase sort of faded a couple of years ago. But uh, you know, it's just I feel like I have more to do um even though i'm getting older but uh i just feel like i've just started that's how i feel every time i, I show up at practice i'm like I, I just got here like i wish i wish i came out here when i was like 22 but you know i had other plans i was going other places but you know i still feel and as long as i feel that way i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to play so you know and we've had other guys on who have played in the x league and have talked about you know how the collegiate football in japan really helps the talent that's in the X league. And, you know, they've talked about the professionalism and just how truly, you know, awesome and insane it is to have this level of talent in Japan that people just aren't aware of. If you could tell people one thing about the X league and Japanese football, you know, a lot of Americans are just unfamiliar with it. And, you know, we get these, you know, random highlights we'll see, and we'll be like, Oh my gosh, look how talented this person is. So what would you tell someone if you could tell them like, Hey, you need to know this about Japanese football to maybe help get them in and get them to, you know, take in the product. Um, well, I think, um, I think it's cool to, you know, they, they've got a mix of Americans and Japanese players. Um, every, every team's only route allowed about four, two on the field at one time, offense and defense. But, uh, I think one of the interesting parts about, Japanese football, at least in the X League and in college as well, is there's the the opportunity and 
to play to play for something other than a championship. Um, there's and that you know there there are tiers to the league. You know, obviously the X one Super, the X one area, X two, X three. So if you have a great season, you can be rewarded um, with a chance to play in the next level um, and go up a tier, kind of like soccer. Um, and I think and I was just talking with my uncle about that, and we um, we were saying like that should be how it is in the NFL. Like the NFL is 32 teams, but there should be a top tier and a lower tier, kind of like how soccer does it. Cause it's just really, it's a monopoly. You know, there's, there's no, it's nothing exciting. Like, like, yeah, they get the first round pick in the next year, but like, wouldn't it be more, would it be more dramatic if uh, like, you know, a mid tier team or like, I don't know, like somebody like, I don't know, the bad Cleveland Browns, <laughs> their own 16 Cleveland Browns turns it around and like, makes it to the top league. I think that would make things more interesting, but that's, that's kind of an interesting element to, to Japanese football that I, I like makes it a little bit more fun. You know, and really with all these startup spring leagues with the USFL, XFL, you know, it, it could be something if the NFL, I mean, the NFL is never going to get up, give up their monopoly, but if they ever right. wanted to integrate these other leagues, I mean, it could be a fun concept for sure. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you a little bit, you know, as we wrap up here, we end every interview by giving advice to high schoolers. You have been all over. You've been at the highs, the mountaintop, and, you know, you've had some lows. So if you could tell a high schooler that maybe their career is not going the way they want it to, but they're still trying to get that college opportunity, still trying to play at the next level, what would you tell them just about, you know, perseverance and making the most of their opportunities? Yeah, um, well – they say success is not a, a, a straight line, right? In the trajectory, there's always going to be ups and downs. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, if you, if things aren't going your way, like do not give up. Like there are plenty of times where coaches even told me to stop. Like even when I got injured at Northwestern, they were like, Hey man, like, I think you should just retire, lose weight and go get a job. <laughs> um and I really I really had to you know I took what they said and and you know I thought about it but there was no other way for me there this is the only way for me and uh I'm still not ready to think about a big boy job um in the real world uh <laughs> I'm gonna keep doing this as long as I can but I mean if you're in high school um you know I would just look at what's in front of you as far like, like don't be looking so far ahead in the future just take care of what you can now so set a goal that's manageable in front of you and obtainable and then when you when you get there then take the next step and the next step and the next step so if you're a high school kid maybe things aren't going your way maybe you're not a starter uh, on your team you know get with your coach ask your coach hey like what what can i do to get on the field um you know and hopefully your coach is honest and uh will you know will will be honest with you and tell you what he's looking for um and communication i think is is important uh, in that aspect and not just you know judging 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 your coach or you know hating on your coach just because he doesn't like you you know but maybe maybe there's a miscommunication maybe maybe you you need to you know talk with him to understand um what's going on but yeah if you once you get that starting job then um you got to make plays I think uh, you got to pop on tape. That's what coaches are looking for. You know, if, if being a, you know, 
college football player is, is what you want to do in the next level after high school, I think uh, you got to make plays. And, um, you know, maybe if you're from a smaller school, um, it helps to win, I think. Uh, so, and not just you doing your best job, but being able to be a leader and being able to uplift others. I think, um, you know, people notice winner, winners, right? They notice wins. So how can you win? Well, you've got to do your job, but also make sure that, you know, you hold your teammates accountable and, uh, and grow together. I think that's important. Um, and then in college, and then obviously college, college is a little bit different animal. That's uh, you're restarting back at uh, square one. Um, you're not the top dog anymore. You've got to, you know, you've got to find your place in this team of 115 to me. Sometimes even division three, there's what, 200, some guy, it depends, you know, um, it's pretty crazy, but I think find somebody, you know, or ask somebody, like I said, you can talk to your coaches all the time, but in college, I think it's important to get with your, um, your seniors or anybody who's older than you that, you know, might be willing to offer some advice and, you know, that you can, you can lean on. Um, I feel like I didn't really, I had a couple of guys maybe early in my career, but I felt like in college, as far as someone to look up to, like on my team, I didn't really have that. Um, but I would say in high school, I had that because, you know, I was in seventh grade. I was a, a water boy on my team and I went to the state championship. So that was kind of like what set me. And a lot of those guys went to the division one. And that's kind of like how my uh, journey started dreaming about that and, and trying to find ways uh, to make it. Uh, being successful in high school and then make it to college. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's a long journey. It's a long time. Like, I started high school in, what, 2008? And it's just it's just never-ending, man. So you better enjoy the process because that's the most fun. I think, uh, like, even now my season's ended. I had a lot of injuries this year, you know, just a little thing. I played in every game, didn't miss a snap, but um, – you know, I'm right now I, I wrote down in my notebook, like I'm, I took the last week off and now I'm like, I'm trying to figure out every single piece of what went wrong last year. I'm trying to find answers, trying to, um, and then obviously come up with a plan. So I just started my, my workout routine, sort of like the pre-training routine to try to fix or address some of those issues I've been having. And, it, and if you want to play in the pros or college, Every year it gets harder to take care of your body. So make sure that you're doing things, uh, little things now um, so that, you know, when you're my age going on, I'm turning 29 in a couple of days, like, you know, you're not in pain or, you know, maybe you'll be, you'll have more success. You'll feel better um, and can play for as long as, as you'd like. So that's my advice to uh, any person, I guess, who's trying to achieve their dream in football. Ian, it's been an absolute blast to have you on, man. Uh, you guys had a top 10 finish this year. Hopefully we can get top five, top two, and maybe top one next year for sure, man. Uh, I wish you the best of luck, you know, in the off season and then with your upcoming season. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, though, man. Folks, that's all we got for you guys this time. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.